0: start there's a nice word on The Polish says, of The chizus So, there's a, a verse in the that from They talk about the bekanus can was able to be the kindness Hashem in Klal He put the the, the in Klal he gave Klal a feeling that, you know, if something's against the Kvoid Hashem, something's a uh, Chilil Hashem, something's against the Rutz Hashem, you know, you have to stick up for it. And in the biblical work, it takes it a step further and he says, Bekaniz Kanusi B'Soycham means B'Soych Kaleiched V'Eichad There wasn't any Yid who didn't get that feeling. Even though Kanuas to really, to really, you know, um, have that feeling to, to stick up for Hashem's COVID is a big madrige and not everyone was necessarily on that madrige but Pinchas was able with his mysum and his shem shemaim to give that feeling to everyone and that's the Kham. everyone got that feeling where you know this they can't let happen now when you think about it we, we all have a certain feeling every yid has a certain feeling of you know we're this is against the koyd Hashem. This is a khil Hashem. This I can't. I can't watch this. Everyone has their something that they take to the next level, and they just can't handle it. They go crazy. They they talk about it with passion. They they either they're moiche or they just just complain to other people about it. Whatever it is, there's there's, there's a certain something, a certain lack of tolerance, let's call it, that every yid has somewhere, on some on some level about some issue where he feels that you know this this you, you can't just stay quiet about. It's interesting. You you won't you won't find that by goyim you know where uh, so some of this is wrong some people just find looking the wrong way you didn't always have that that passion some people have it in the right place some people have it on things that the Torah says cano and pogin boy or garam boy you see in for example there are times where we're taught to speak up and not to let things happen some people have it in other areas some people have it when they see somebody um, hurting someone else's feelings and they just go crazy how could someone do that to someone else you know every, everyone has it somewhere Everyone has somewhere where they feel, this is a khil Hashem, this is against the Torah, this is the soid of everything, this we can't let happen. It's a certain something that every yid has. And it's interesting to see how each person has it in their own place. Some people feel that like the other person is just picking on something that's so, ir- that's so uh, irrelevant, so unimportant, so trivial. And really he should be you know, um, speaking up for something else totally. But everyone has it somewhere. And everyone has about themselves also. We all have a certain red line, let's call it, where this, no, this me you can't do this. This avayr is unacceptable. Everyone has it somewhere. It's interesting to see how when somebody's over on something that for this person is unacceptable or totally intolerable, you look at that person with one, how could he do such a thing? But when he does something that you're okay with, or, or, or you would do, then, you know, okay, so this is not so bad. And so often we judge other people based on, on our red lines, what we feel is, is terrible. If somebody would do that, that, we look down at somebody else does, And it's funny how each community and each person, each family, you know, each culture has their own uh, set of mitzvahs, navadahs sometimes, that, that are inexcusable, intolerable, and just something that can't happen. Interestingly, when it comes to children, very often we give over this feeling to a child. Sometimes the, the passion that people have for certain things is because that's what they were brought up with. In my house, we never did thing. This was unheard of. And that's why this thing, you know, for years, uh, for, for, the, you know, for all the years, is something that, that a person just, just can't swallow, can't handle. And somebody from a different family grew up where this was not a big deal and, and this is you know this is something else and sometimes in the same family you'll find some children picked up on one thing, some on the other sometimes it's a it's personality based sometimes it's a value based and principle based but you see how everyone has that red line, and even when it's not just Yiddishkeit, everyone has a certain thing where they know that you know this we can't do in our house you can't take the ice cream you can't uh, make the mess you can't break something you can't. everyone has their own red line, and for some reason that's what they picked up on and that's what they so won't be tolerated and very often. It's a, it's a conscious message where somebody saw that you know, if this happens, that's where the parents lose it. And sometimes it's a subconscious message. They see how this is, you know, the, the gasp and the reaction. It's something that just makes sure it doesn't happen again. And very often we, we want to make sure that children are taking the right message in the right time and seeing what it is that's really important to us. And, and, and sometimes people, children get the wrong message. Sometimes we want them to take it in one area, but really we give it over somewhere else because we're really more passionate about it, you know, about something else. So let me read a question. Um, that, that has to do with this and, and, and see if we could uh, gain some insight. Okay, there by growing, my kids are very good and lively, Baruch Hashem. extremely lebedeke But lately they started actually damaging property at home. It started with scribbling on the walls, went on to peeling the paint, and has already reached the point of using a hammer to bang holes in the walls and ripping the leather off the chairs. I'm not sure how to go about it. I'd really appreciate if you could discuss this on your line. Thank you so much. Okay, so here you go. You have a mother who sees um, children doing things that she feels is terrible and intolerable, but uh, you know it's just it's just persisting and, and not getting better and going from one thing to the next. Children breaking down the house. So the first thing I just want to mention is that you know Baruch Hashem, you see your children as as good and lively Baruch Hashem, and yes they are. As much as this has to be dealt with, as much as I think I don't think it's it's it's, it's right to ignore or make believe it's not a problem. But there's, there's something about just appreciating, or at least just knowing that when children are lebedigger kinder, there's something healthy about it. So the whole thing is a healthy issue, not, not, not chazashom or anything terrible. It's also an issue that I mention often. It's one of those issues that a children will outgrow one day. It doesn't mean that you should neglect it or, look, or, or just not deal with it for the meantime, but it's just good to know. It is a kinderish issue. It, it, it's childish. And you know, eventually, children get older. You you don't hear people complaining about a 15-year-old just banging things, in, banging holes in the walls. So it just it just puts it into perspective. It's something that children do grow out of, and you want to deal with it because you have to deal with it now, but not necessarily because it's it's, it's going to bring bigger problems. And it's also this expression that I heard from certain a certain groser gutelbi who used to say when when parents would complain that my child's so wild, my child's so wild. And, and he would say, you know, from my experience, I see that the wild ones are the smart ones. Now, I can't say it's not much a rule, but I just mean to say that, that sometimes a certain wild kite, which sometimes looks almost problematic, is not necessarily a child has a lot of energy. A child has a lot, of, a lot of energy. And and the wildness alone, if it wouldn't be causing a damage either to other children or to property, is not that alone is, is, is not a problem. And that's how children should be. Children should be levedic, and children have to let out a lot of energy. And when you see a child that is... Lively instead of trying to shush him up and and, and nail him down to his chair or, or get nervous or or drug him up, it's okay. Children need, need a let out and, and it's okay if a child has a lot of energy and even more than, than others. Like everything, um, there's different, there's definitely there's definitely you know a few extremes that, that children grow up with. And the other children who grew up feeling like the napkins or the cup of soda was more, worth more than them, because any small amount of damage or any small amount of mess you know, was taken to the next level. And then, of course, there's the other extreme, which is obviously also unhealthy, where children feel like everything is disposable, and you can do whatever you want, and nobody says anything. So you know, everything has to be um, you know, in moderation. So if somebody feels that in their home it's to either extreme... When children are, are afraid to tell you that they broke something, or afraid to tell you that something tore, or a pair of pants got a snag, that's obviously a problem. And the other, the other way as well, is children think that everything's disposable and nothing means anything, and nothing's ever dealt with. That's obviously also, you know, a little off. Um, so, like I said before, every family has their red lines. Every child has red lines. There's always something a child won't do. Often, parents tell me, "Oh, you know, my child." he has no limits, he'll do this, he'll say that, he'll, he'll, he'll use the, this language and he'll, he'll do these actions and he'll, you know, he'll get physical. And we say, what won't he do? No, he'll, he has no limits. No, what won't he do? And you'll see, even the child who Chaz would, would hit a parent, but they won't, uh, you know, they, they, they won't cut a parent with a knife. Now, I know it sounds silly, but the point is that when you realize what the child won't do, you'll realize that there's a reason why he won't do it. There's a certain red line that the child feels will not be tolerated and he's afraid of the consequence. And every child has that. Every child has the thing where, uh-oh, this I can't do. Either because it was communicated and they saw it, or because they subconsciously are just afraid to even try it. Which just goes to show that he's not, he's not totally crazy, he stopped somewhere. And now the question is, it's up to you to try to get him to stop even earlier by putting your foot down and implementing or, or communicating that which he is afraid might happen if he goes to the next level. Now interestingly, I just want to mention I heard recently this uh, somebody repeated it from David Salavetchik, the Brisker Shiva, who was nifta this past year. Um, he was once talking about his father's chinuch, the Brisker and he said that in his father's house, no matter what a child did, as as wild or as you know as, as crazy as a child behaved, his father would never lose it. His father would always stay calm and collected and just keep on going as if nothing happened. See, a lot of times a child, his father, the Brisker was sitting with talmidim and talking and learning, and, and children would be would manage be wild and and and. It sounded like he was saying, even even causing some damage or whatever it was. His father never lost it. When it came to anything that was related to Torah Mitzvahs, his father would see a a, a child not being makbar on a certain or not doing something the right way, or doing a havaire, that's when he would totally lose it. Totally lose it. And he would get angry, and he would would be machanach. And it was a certain message that the children got, this is what's important to Tati. He said nothing that could have broken could have made his father go out of the kailam. But when he saw a child not being, not being over on a certain halukha or a certain, uh, you know, something that was, that, that, that he couldn't handle. That he couldn't handle. And I remember hearing this about the Chaim. It was after the Muhammad and children were very wild. They were coming to shield, And he, he, was, he was okay with it. He used to say, that, you know, that, that, that these are children. These are children. It was after the war. And, you know, the fact that children were, there was a new generation of children. They were coming to and They were turning things over. It's okay. These are children. You know, that, that's what children are supposed to do. There was, there was a certain tolerance that people had then, you know, to, to and, and they were happy that there were children to, to turn over the shield. There, there's a certain story about a, a certain Gudelvi Yisro, who, he was visiting someone, I think they say this goes back in America, you know, the early generation America, and he saw a child, um, I think it was Shabbos, and a child, by mistake, turned on the light or something, and uh, and the good was like shocked. A child turned on the light in Shabbos. You know, usually that, that 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 causes a certain response of, "Whoa, terrible!" And the father and he looked at the father. And the father said, "Okay, he's a child. He's a child. So, some answers, so he turned on the light. A mistake. Okay, he knows Shabbos is not louder, He didn't realize." And then later, something turned over on the table or something, or a glass broke, or something. Or the child did something a little dangerous. Looked like something would happen, and that's when the father totally jumped out of his chair. How can you do that? What's with you? Eh? And as Goodel explained, you know, look. Look what you're teaching your child. When he turns on the light, you said, okay, he's a child. When he turned over the glass, that's what you screamed. So what kind of chinuch is that? Now I know when he, when he turned on the light, you he said he's only a child, but when he, when he turned over the glass, he didn't say that. So my, my point is not, Chazashulim, to say that we're only hit to children when it comes to Torah Mitzvahs. And when they break things, that's where we say it's not terrible. My point is just that sometimes we do overreact when it comes to breaking things. And, and, and that's what we teach children that we won't tolerate it and we lose ourselves. And sometimes it's too much. And so, sometimes G'day Yisrael didn't have those, You know, they, they, they didn't go so crazy when somebody broke something or tore something because it wasn't so meaningful to them. But I definitely do think that children need to understand and children need to be taught that it's not okay. It's not okay. You can't break things. You can't rip things. You can't rip holes in the walls. You can't peel paint. And most often when children are doing things on that level, you know that frequently, uh, without stopping, and it's getting worse. It's usually because you somehow subconsciously are teaching them that it's okay. You're teaching them it's okay, either because you are very soft-natured, and 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 you don't communicate it in a in a in a bad way or in a strict way or whatever it is. You know, but if you're not gonna communicate and implement that that this is not okay, then it probably will just keep on happening and maybe even get worse. And it's not because your children are bad or they're trying to, you know provoke you into getting angry because they want to break your house down is because they're wild and because they're not responsible and they're young and if you don't teach them that it's tuck and not okay then they're probably going to keep on doing it so when, some, when a child rips a cheer and you say, Scheifele, we don't rip cheers and they see that that's the whole response they're getting then you can't expect them to on their own realize this is a red line you're not going to do that again so this is something that's uh, you just want to realize on your own that we are all subconsciously teaching children what is and what isn't okay and it's up to us to have them understand, you know, that, that this can happen again. Now, before I go on, I do want to mention that there's something called a mistake. There's something called carelessness. And it's very important to be mindful of the difference. You know, when, when a child makes a mistake and breaks something, and it was a mistake, and it was a mistake because he's a child, then as much as you're going to scream, it could still happen again unless you want your children to live in fear and OCD of, of maybe a mistake might happen. But if a child is careless and a child is, you know, just doing something because they, don't, they couldn't care less... That's definitely some way where you do want to teach them that, yes, we do care about and you can't just do what you want. Now, how do you teach these things? Sometimes it's just a reaction. Sometimes it's just a a, a certain gasp or sometimes it's just a certain um, response of, I can't believe this happened. And you look just so distraught and so disturbed by it that a child will not do it again. Sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes you'll have to actually implement a certain certain consequence. Sometimes you're going to have to make sure that child knows, no, I'm going to be strict about this because I can't let it happen again if this happens again and you want to warn the child because the first time maybe Hitaka didn't realize but if this ever happens again and not just this but even that or something similar then you won't be able to go out and play you won't be able to play in this room anymore you won't be able to be here with, with the children here because things break you won't be able to touch this and, and for a week you won't be able to play with that toy or on the couch or near this chair now sometimes this alone becomes a strong bias issue where one parent and I hear this often one parent is ready to be strict and teach a child right from wrong and the other one's like no you can't do that you can't, I don't want to do that to my children, my parents did it to me, and it becomes a whole issue of not being able to discipline and not being able to say anything. I mean, just recently somebody was repeating to me some crazy situation of um, a whole shalom bias issue, a whole, a whole you know, marriage problem where one was trying to give what sounded like very normal discipline, the other one was like, no, or shalom, never. That, well, the never, of course, ended exactly when they felt it was necessary, or when they felt that you know now it has to end. And then they gave all kinds of justifications why they were allowed to be mechanic and put a foot down why someone else is not allowed to put a foot down. So this is a marriage issue that you might have to deal with. But just going back to what's normal. Normal is to show a child that certain things are not acceptable. And of course you want to be reasonable about, about you know, what a child could understand. You want to deal with things that are age appropriate. You want to make sure a child is understanding your message and being very clear with it. And then you want to implement a reasonable consequence. When a child's old enough, I tell us the parents off, when your child's old enough and he already put away some money from his Hanukkah guilt or his Purim money or whatever it is, you might even tell him, listen, next thing that breaks, no problem, I'm going to call someone to fix it and you're going to pay for it. Obviously, you know, when a child's too young, that's not, that's not the punishment. Something else is the punishment. Sometimes you could control what a child will play with or where he'll play or how much time he'll get. Sometimes you can't. So obviously, everything has to be done reasonably you know, with a certain amount of uh, thought in a way that, that a child will understand it. But it's up to you have your children understand what will and what won't be accepted. So again, if children are going from one thing to the next and breaking things, it means that they see it's okay. I would assume that children wouldn't do that if they really saw that you are not okay with it and that you can't handle it and you won't tolerate it and you're not afraid of whatever consequence it could be. And if it's real carelessness and they were warned specifically about something in advance, and you decide that Apache is 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 okay, or you decide some other punishment that they're gonna get for it, and they know it, even if they don't like it and they're crying and they're tantruming, but they know that this was spoken about before. And you even told them what's going to happen. And then you implemented that punishment specifically. So there's no surprises. As upset as they are, they know consciously, not just subconsciously, they know that it's fear and you don't mean to hurt them. And it won't happen again. And it won't happen again. So you want to make sure that you're clear in advance about it and you're not responding out of anger. You're not, you're not surprising a child with something that he didn't understand or something that you think that he should have helped on his own, that this is like that and this I meant and this I didn't mean. But you want to be very consistent and you want to keep your word. And if you tell a child that something is not acceptable and you tell them what's going to happen if it happens, and then you take an excuse or then you just feel bad and then you say, okay, next time. And you're not consistent. You're teaching your children that it's okay. And that's not good. So just to make it short, yes, of course, children could be Lebedee children and they are and they they need to have a way to give off the energy and they can't live in a museum where they can't jump and dance and they they have to have, you know, how to, but there has to be red lines. There has to be red lines. Now, of course, not to an extreme, but you want children to know right from wrong. And you want to communicate it in a way that they understand that certain things won't be acceptable. And then you want to be consistent. You want to make sure that what you told them is going to happen, if this happens, is going to happen. And you want to make sure that just your reactions and your responses are are in line with what you're trying to convey so that children don't just take advantage. And I believe this is part of raising healthy children. You shouldn't see it as being a strict mother or as caring more about your dining room chairs than your children. This This is called raising healthy and responsible children. You want them to know that not everything is okay. And the same thing is when it comes to Yiddishkeit, the same thing when it comes to certain sensitivities that you're trying to give over to a child, you want your child to know this is okay and this is not okay, this we don't do, this you have to make sure it never happens, this you have to understand that if it ever does happen, some, I'm not going to tolerate it. Not tolerating means something specific. It could start with just the fact that mommy's very sad, with a frown on her face that certain small children can't handle, but as time goes on, it starts with something more than that, that, you know, if... If A, B, C, then X, Y, Z. Not because anyone's angry at you. Not because anyone's putting you down or calling you names or calling you irresponsible or wild or, or, or it's a lust. No, it's, it's cause and effect. If this happens, then that's going to happen. And children understand it. And when children see it. And they get that sensi- sensitivity uh, towards something. And, and, they, and, and they just grow up healthy. And they have that certain red line. It's, it's so important that this is something that will help us convey to our children. You know, what is and what isn't good. And help us see a lot of nachas from them and I us